You're listening to Travel Talk Weekly with Rob and Carrie Stewart, travel experts, authors, and TV hosts. Join them every Tuesday as they take you to amazing destinations all over the globe. Whether it's cruising the seven seas, exploring Europe, or being pampered at an all-inclusive resort, Travel Talk Weekly is your passport to the world. Hello and welcome to Travel Talk Weekly, show number five. Original air date, November 12th, 2019. This week we explored the iconic city of Venice, Italy. And if you're listening to this on November 12th, the launch date, this is the day Disney Plus launches and will probably break the internet. Keep in mind, it's not just all the cool Disney stuff. They do have the National Geographic Channel, or Nat Geo for short, and I'm sure there will be some Italy programming in there somewhere. Absolutely. There definitely will be some good stuff for the travel fan to go check out. Before we get started, we do want to thank a few fantastic people because we had another great week of five-star reviews. Thank you to Kelsey, Amber S, 55 Dland, Heidi, Alicia 3, and Yankee Fan 55. And here's our featured review of the week from Disney Apprentice. Many people have a dream to travel abroad, but do not know where to start. Since it's often a once-in-a-lifetime trip, there isn't room for mistakes or should-have-could-haves. Rob and Carrie take the guesswork out of this and share their expertise in order to help the listener plan their dream vacation. I'm already in love with Italy and cannot wait to see where future episodes take me. Thank you, Disney Apprentice, once again for that very nice review. And I'm assuming you're probably a Disney fan, so perhaps one day you can do one of the adventures by Disney over in Italy. That or would be perhaps, a great trip for you. Or perhaps we will see you at Disney when we're there. <laughs> in other news, we just launched our new website specifically for Travel Talk Weekly. There, you can listen to all of the episodes right from your computer or mobile device. And we love that you can now listen to it directly on the site. So just go to TravelTalkWeekly.com and check it out if that's how you prefer to listen to your shows. Also something new, each week for each destination, we'll be posting our pictures on Instagram and Facebook. So if you have a second, please follow us on both of those platforms or if you just like Instagram or you just like Facebook, you know, you don't have to do both, but at least follow us on one of those because, you know, all this week we're going to be sharing pictures and videos of Venice. When it comes to travel, actually seeing things makes it even like more exciting to travel go there is and very visit. visual. Yeah. So we, we just want to inspire you to go there and then go check out the pictures and then plan a trip. Simple process, right? I would say yes. And now on to the show. This week, we're talking about one of the most instantly recognizable cities anywhere in the world, and it rounds out our three-part series on Italy, Venice, or as they say in Italy, Venezia. Ooh, Did I good, do good job. That was good. See, I'm, I'm impressed. Getting, I'm, getting, I'm getting better. If you missed it, Rome was a two-part episode that kicked off this series, followed by Florence, which is one of our favorite cities. Those cities, along with Venice, are also known as the Big Three and definitely on the bucket list for most travelers wanting to go to Italy. So this is our third of the three-part series. And if you listened to our shows on Rome and Florence, this is the same order that we visited those cities the last time we were there, starting with Rome, going to Florence, and ending in Venice. Venice is the amazing, romantic island city famous for St. Mark's Square, the Grand Canal, and of course... Singing gondoliers. So we'll start with packing. If you know how to pack for Rome and Florence, Venice is very similar and it all varies on the time of year. So you definitely want to pack according to when you're going to be there. 
summer is going to be hot, and the winter is going to be cooler. Now keep in mind, it is a few hours northeast of Florence by train, so it can be a little cooler, especially in the winter months. Like, it's been known to snow there. It has. It's also, it's a floating city, so flooding does happen. They have exceptionally high tides about once every four years on average. However, minor flooding in the city happens around four times a year, usually within the winter months. High water can sometimes last only a few hours, but is dependent on which part of the island is hit by the floodwaters. So we experienced this a little bit on one of our trips. I think it was the first time we had gone to Venice. It was on a cruise stop. And I remember we were doing an overnight. And so we got up early and went to St. Mark's Square just to avoid the crowds. And it looked like they were setting up all these tables. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they're doing like a big banquet thing. For tables, they were set pretty low. Yeah, they were set fairly (laughs) low. But I just remember looking at it going, wow, there's like a ton of, that's like one huge long table. And why are they all connected? And why are they all connected? Is this like Germany where everybody's going to sit down and eat facing each other? I know, that's what it looked like, except for they just had to obviously put out the linens and stuff, which had not happened. And it was not going to happen, just so you know. It was not, because they actually had put up these platforms because the city was getting some flooding. And they elevated their own sidewalk so people could walk through without having to go through tons of water. That was kind of know-before-you-go stuff that we did not know. We did not know. But it was kind of interesting, and it is a little freaky when you're there. And at certain times of the day, the water does kind of creep right up onto the sidewalks. And it's like, whoa. Well, it kind of fills St. Mark's Square. Yeah, and St. Mark's Square can get completely flooded. I've seen crazy pictures. And it definitely was flooded for a portion of the day that we were there. So keep that in mind when it comes to footwear. If you know it's going to be a little wet, you know, get a pair of tennis shoes or something. Don't wear your nice Italian leather loafers. Exactly. Or you women with your really nice high heels. Yeah. It's usually pretty evident if it's going to flood or not because they know. So if you see them setting up these raised sidewalks or maybe just a couple feet you know, off the ground, it's probably it's going probably. to flood. It's not a banquet. <laughs> if you're flying to Venice, you're going to fly into Marco Polo Airport. From there, it's about a 20-minute nonstop bus trip to Piazzale Roma, which is the bus terminal in Venice. It does run three times an hour, so the wait is very short. And it's only about six euros per person the last time we checked. And from Piazzale Roma, you can catch the local public boat, the Vaporetto, hire a private water taxi, or continue on by foot. Or my preferred way is to take a water taxi from the airport straight to your hotel, because you do need to manage your luggage if you're going to hop on the bus. There is nothing like taking a water taxi right from the airport, and you step off at your hotel. I remember when we flew in, and we're going to talk about this hotel in a little bit, is we came right up to the doorstep of Hotel Daniele, a very, very famous hotel there. And I think before we got there, we're thinking, okay, they'll take us to some kind of loading dock or something. We came right up to the front step. Well, kind of the side step. Yeah, it was like the side, the side. entrance, which was like a little door, it and was, that's where they drop people That off. was amazing. Yeah, it definitely, if you can splurge and do it, it's so much better to just get a private water taxi. You can schedule these in advance or you can just pick them up right at the airport. They will take you directly to your hotel, but it's also, it's kind of a fun experience. And I mean, we've all seen the George Clooney and the water taxis, you know, the private boats going down the canals. And you mean see it like on TV or something, because we did not see we George Clooney. We did not Clooney see George where... Clooney. I looked for him, but George was he wasn't there. there. But when, when you're thinking of, okay, well, what is that experience of getting into a private water taxi? Just get that image of George Clooney in your head going down the canal. That's exactly I, how it is. I do not need an image of George Clooney <laughs> to enjoy Venice, <laughs> okay. just so you know. Okay. On our last trip, we traveled to Venice by high-speed train because we were traveling from Florence. 
The ride is beautiful, uh, relaxing, really nice countryside, especially with an adult beverage or two. Yeah, a nice little glass of champagne or mimosa on the way up. Always fun. So once you get to that point, the train station or the bus station, again, assuming you're not traveling by water, then the rest of the trip is most likely going to be on foot. Yep. And you, you really only have two ways, by foot or by water taxi. Or by boat. boat or on foot. Yes, by we'll boat go with or that. foot. That might make more sense <laughs> to our friends out there. As small as Venice is, there are a surprising number of hotels. Lots of options. Lots of options. So our key recommendation is choose a hotel based on what you want to do because you will be having to get around by either boat or by walking. And there are some key areas to stay in, especially if you are planning on visiting some of the cities outside the town and you're going to make Venice your home base. Or if you just want to experience all that Venice has for maybe like a little two or three night stay. The first one is where we actually stayed on our last trip, and that is Hotel Santa Chiara. That's right by the Piazzale Roma, which is the bus station. We could look out of our window down at the bus station, which was crazy busy, like almost around almost the Almost all the time. And there was a walking footbridge that was partially made out of glass, and that's where you come over from the train station. And that was pretty interesting. But we also had access to our private water taxi, which was incredible. Yeah, so this particular hotel has their own water taxi. But here's what's interesting. When we got picked up from the train station, we were met by our transfer person. And we gave them all of our luggage because you do man all your luggage again. That's why you want to pack light when you go over to Italy. And they took our luggage and took it by boat. But we walked over that bridge oh, that's right. yeah. from the train station. I forgot that part. Yeah. And so just know that there's a little bit of a walk, but you're right across the way. So it's super convenient. It was not maybe a five or 10 minute walk at yeah. the most. And it's a really cool, iconic you're bridge. You're walking along the water. You are walking along the water. And it does feel a little bit busy. This is not where you want to be um, pulling a roller bag for long distance or no. anything. That would be a no. Yeah. Loved this hotel. I think it's perfect for if you even want to venture out. Like, let's say you're going to explore Venice for a couple of days, but you're going to make this your home base and then maybe go out to some of the outlying areas. Like maybe you're going to do a day trip over to Verona or the Dolomites or... Right. Yeah. Because Venice is, is, and we'll talk about this in a little while. It's really not a city you're going to spend, you know, six or seven nights at. You can, you know, two or three nights, maybe four. And by staying where we were, you can just walk right out of the hotel and jump on a bus and get out of the city and get over to some of the other locations you might want to go to right outside of Venice. A couple of things that were really unique about this hotel is it is a mix of old and modern. Definitely. So Hotel Santa Chiara had been around for a long time and they had wanted to expand they were, I think, having trouble getting permits, and they finally got them. So if you look at the entire hotel, there is a definite difference between... It's not like they're two different buildings. It's, it's the same building. And you can easily tell the historic part from the modern part. And I loved our room in this hotel. Very modern. It was really modern, and it was very spacious. It had a radio in the bathroom. It had a radio in the bathroom, and then it had some lights that you could like change the colors, or they would. Yes, uh -huh. you could program them, and they would cycle through different colors. It was it was really cool. And one of the things I really enjoyed is that we were there during the 2016 Summer Olympics. And so just watching the Olympics in a different country and a totally different perspective, I, I could not find any English channels, much less, you know, like the Americans or whatever. But even watching the Olympics in another country, in another language was pretty cool. Hotel was also really easy, though, to walk to some of the other big sites that we'll talk about. So the location of it 
It's pretty good. It's definitely located towards a lot of the transportation options to get out of the city. And there's a little park right next to it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. The same people own Hotel Santa Chiara as our next two on the list, and they're private, beautiful wooden water taxi. I mean, total luxury. And so that's what will take people between the hotels. So if we were going to stay at, say, our next hotel on the list, which is Palazzo Sturm, the boat that would take us there is kept at Santa Chiara. One of my favorite things about Palazzo Stern is the location. It's right on the Grand Canal, but it's not in one of the really, really busy spots. And so this is perfect if you want to have a little more privacy and a little more of a, I think it's like a really romantic And luxurious, for sure. Very luxurious. There's only 24 rooms. Yeah. So we went and we toured this particular property when we were there. And if you go to our Facebook page, you can see a video of it. One of my favorite features, not only every single room is completely different, but at the top, there is a rooftop hot tub. And the views from up there were so, so cool. And unfortunately, we were not staying there, so we did not have use of the hot tub. (laughs) This is true. But what we did take use of is after touring as many rooms as we possibly could, we enjoyed a nice glass of wine sitting on their amazing patio, which is right on the Grand Canal. It is. It's right on the water. I mean, just total luxury. It's, It's what... I think a lot of people would think of of you know, having an appetizer and a glass of wine while watching people boat along the Grand yeah. Canal. This is the place they would think of. If you do stay here, we definitely recommend getting around by boat because you, you're right on the Grand Canal. And so you'll be able to get to all those key places like St. Mark's Square and go see the Rialto Bridge, all those cool places. But you're right there on the Grand Canal. Because even if you wanted to just go across the Grand Canal, that would be a really long walk because there aren't any bridges right next yeah. to it. So you'd be to go across the Grand Canal, you'd be going in the opposite direction and try to find the right street that would take you over to a bridge where you could walk across you know, the bridge going over the Grand Canal. Definitely just get on a water taxi and go from there. So if you like boutique hotels and something completely different, but with a lot of history, Palazzo Stern is your place. Next up on our recommended hotels, Locanda Vivaldi. And that is really close to St. Mark's Square. I'll, that's where all the action is. Yeah, this one is in a great location. They have a rooftop little terrace area that you can go up to and just see amazing views. You're only a two-minute walk maybe from St. Mark's Square. You go over the bridge, which the first time that we were there, I thought that was actually the Bridge of size where everybody was standing. Yeah, right. That was not the case. That was not the case. It's just a bridge. It's where you stand to see the Bridge of size, which we'll talk about in a few moments. <laughs> yeah. This I love this location, though, because not only can you see some great sunset views from up on their terrace, and I love that there is a restaurant that's right out on the water. And again, you'll see cruise ships go by there. And there's just great views. Love the location. The rooms are really nice. They also have their own little private pull-up area for the water taxis. So when you get dropped off, you get dropped off right at the hotel entrance. Yes. Now, this last one on our four picks is... The Mac Daddy. And this is where we stayed the year prior to that. So we stayed there in 2015, and this was before a cruise. And so, sadly, it was only one night. Yeah, it was only one night. I could have stayed there for a month. Yeah, me too. And we explored this hotel because we didn't want to leave. We should probably tell them the name at this point. Yeah, it is beautiful. And if you can fit it in your budget, we highly recommend that you spend at least one night there. And it's called Hotel Danielli. This particular hotel has amazing history behind it. And recently, I was in Boston, 
I went to this, it's like, it's kind of like a museum, but it was more of like, um, somebody had replicated their something that they saw in Italy and loved it. And it's the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. And it's an art museum, but it makes you feel like you're in a house. I walked in and the little courtyard area, I'm like, this looks like Hotel Daniele. And as we went from room to room, I really think that this Isabella Gardner person had been to Hotel Daniele because there were a lot of influences of Italy. But this Hotel Daniele is like one of my favorites that we've ever stayed at. I would say it's got to be, I can't think of one better. I can't think of one better. And what made it really unique is that they allowed us to film there. And so we got to go into some suites. This is, again, this is such a, it's such an historic hotel. Even the room keys, they still have the little, it's a real key. It's a real key. With a little room tassel on it. We'll, We'll put a picture of that up on both Facebook and Instagram so you can see. It looks like it's from... It could have been from the 1920s. It was so unbelievable. Well, it's a lot beautiful. older than the 1920s. I'm thinking the key part of it. I know the hotel's been there for <laughs> hundreds of years. I get that. <laughs> Thanks for throwing me under the bus there, co-host. Some of those suites, and we were, you know, we filmed each one of the suites, and there were a few of the suites were it was patterned after like 1950s cinema icons, and the two most expensive suites we saw, one was ten thousand dollars a night, and another one was twelve thousand a night. Hotel Daniele is actually three different palaces that have now all been converted into a hotel. And when we we talked about getting to your hotel by water, even though we got there, you get to the other hotels by water, you're you're getting off and you're walking, you know, 10, 15, 20 feet, 30 feet, whatever it is. With Hotel Daniele, when you step off the boat, you're on their front step and you walk right in. And so that's pretty pretty darn cool. And we do have pictures of that as well. <laughs> now, one of the favorite features, if you're not staying at Hotel Daniele, but you would like to go and maybe just walk in and experience a little bit of this hotel, is they have a really great rooftop restaurant. And it overlooks the main canal area. And you definitely will want to get a reservation. We highly recommend you request to be right up against the wall. And we were. And do it at sunset. So we did this in 2015. And this was only about a couple months after we started doing a lot of live streaming on Periscope, which was our platform we used a lot back then. And we had people from all over the world that were just watching us and were like, okay, well, we're going to eat dinner. No, no, please don't turn don't turn off the video. Because the views are amazing. Amazing views of the surrounding area and all the people watching. And again, it was so interesting. People were like, please do not stop this video. I'll never be able to go there. Let me Just let me enjoy it. And so we, I think we did a live stream on Periscope. For oh, it was over, like over an hour. hour. Yeah, yeah an hour it was a long time. At that point, I was getting pretty hungry, I will say. <laughs> yeah, but this is a spectacular hotel. And one of the things that you definitely just walk by and check it out when you're there in Venice, because it's really, really close to St. Mark's Square. It is, yes. Any of the four hotels we mentioned would be ideal for any trip to Venice. And a lot of it, I think, would depend on... The budget. Yeah. If it's more budget-oriented, then Santa Chiara would be the best choice. If it's once in a lifetime, I don't have a budget, Hotel Daniele. Hands uh, Palazzo, down. Well, actually, any of the other and, three. Well, and Palazzo Stern and Locanda Vivaldi is also really nice. So you've decided where you're going to stay. Now let's talk about things to do. And there are a lot. One of my favorite things about Venice is that... 
a you, list, a long list of favorites, I might add. <laughs> it is a long list. But one of my favorite things is that you can actually do a lot without having to plan a bunch of chores because everything is really tight in this little city. And as we mentioned earlier, you do not have cars that are going through the streets. The only thing you have is if there's water next to you, there will probably be boats. And if not, then you're just walking around. I will say this city is probably one you could easily get lost in. I was in. just going to say that. Yeah. That this is the city that, you know, Florence, you can kind of, you can see your landmark. Okay, there's, there's the Duomo. I know where I'm at or in Rome, depending on where you're staying. This one, wow. Yeah. Like, and even when like some of the locals would give us directions in English, I'd be like, I have no idea what they just said, even <laughs> though they were speaking English. It's like, well, you go here and you turn left and there's a, because the, the street, You'll see a red sign. The, yeah, and there's really no street signs. They're like marked on the buildings. Yeah. So there's no freestanding signs because they're so little space that, the, you know, you'd walk into signs and <laughs> it was hilarious. One tip for getting around is if you have Wi-Fi, use your, like your map program that you have on your phone. We use that a lot just to make sure we're like, where are we? <laughs> okay, wait. Oh, crap. We didn't turn the right place back there. But do not turn on your cellular function, yeah. <laughs> feature or function, whatever Especially you want to call it. Especially if you're using the maps. Because that would be very expensive data-wise. So there are some iconic things to do. And one of them is St. Mark's Square. That's the obligatory. You got to go. This is the one that if you go to Epcot, you see that big tower this is the place where that tower actually is. And in fact, in, in e- real life, in real life, fantasy. yeah. And in fact, if you have been to Epcot, the front part of Italy is patterned after Venice. If any movies are filmed in Venice, they're all pretty much going to feature at least a clip from St. Mark's Square. And while you're there, it's time to visit the Doge's Palace. One of the things that a lot of people will do while they're in St. Mark's Square are the pigeon photos. So they'll have, um, they'll purchase some of the seeds or whatever it is that they're giving them. This is not me. I do not want no, any no, no. pigeons flying on me, sitting on me. No. But a lot of people do that. <laughs> really? You don't and, want a pigeon on your head? No, but a lot of people do. And they'll have like five or six of them on their arms and they're taking pictures. This is where that happens. And this is also the place where they hold some festivals. So depending upon when you're going to be there, there are a lot of um, special events, there may be bands, there may be some different things going on. And we're going to talk about the biggest festival later on. But St. Mark's Square is the hub. This is where all the people getting off a cruise ship, this is the first place that most of them go. So it can get very, very busy. And that's a fantastic reason to know if you know the dates you're going to be arriving and staying in Venice. It's also a fantastic idea to know the cruise ship schedule. Yes, 100%. And there are some other things in St. Mark's Square close by. One is of the Basilica, and that is a beautiful exterior. You don't even have to go inside to enjoy that one, but it has like the famous gold painting. Um, Sometimes it's under refurbishment. Sometimes it's under reconstruction. And no pictures, unless they change the rules. Last time we were there, Inside, there's no no pictures. pictures. Yep. But it's beautiful. Even if you don't go inside, you can enjoy it from the outside. And that's one of the things I really like about Venice is there's lots of free things that you can do. Like going to the Ferrari store. Like going to the Ferrari mm. store. Yes, we fun. have done that. They actually have a Ferrari like Indy car or racing car inside. That was kind of cool. <laughs> right off St. Mark's Square is also the Doge's Palace. Very famous. And again, it has been replicated in Epcot from the exterior look. If you do opt for the tour like we did, you will actually walk across the Bridge of Size which is where there was a prison there. And you can see all the, the prison cells. Oh my God, that was like, I don't know how they lived in there. And that's where Casanova 
was kept prisoner and he escaped. That was one of the, my favorite things about the tour of Doge's Palace. There are a lot of tours that only do an exterior only. So you'll learn about the history. But when you're in there, you actually get to go walk across the bridge's size, like Which you we mentioned. Did. Which and means we were probably in a lot of pictures from yeah, people standing on the other bridge, the other just bridge. looking at it from the outside. Yep. And and then you learn about um, how the government has changed over the years and how Venice has been ruled. Because again, in Venice, they are Venetians. They don't think of themselves as Italians. It's a They're different Venetians. dialect. Yeah, it's completely different dialect. I remember dialect. we were talking to a, a friend of ours there now, Aldo, and he was saying that sometimes it's hard for someone in Rome to talk to someone in Venice because of how different the language yeah, is. Yeah, which is really interesting. But of Doge's, course, we don't speak either one, so we would not know. Yeah, well, you speak a little Italian. But not Venetian. <laughs> no, I do not speak Venetian. Last week in Florence, we talked about a very famous bridge, the Ponte Vecchio. Here is one that is probably even more famous, and that's the Rialto Bridge. So when you think of two icons for Venice, usually it's St. Mark's Square or the Rialto Bridge. Now, if you've never been to the Rialto Bridge, you may be a little underwhelmed the or first time you go there. you've been there, there before and you go back now... Maybe it's under construction. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's under refurbishment. There was a lot going on there. Yeah. I think some guy from like a blue jeans company or some kind of clothing company bought it. He did. Yep. I don't know the whole story. It's not in the notes. This is just off the cuff. <laughs> well, the last last time we had been there, half of it was getting refurbished. But pretty much the Rialto Bridge, it's just very iconic. If you do a tour and they stop at the bridge, it's probably just going to be a little bit of, hey, take a picture, and that's about it. Move along. And move along. Yep. But that whole bridge, it's pretty much, it's a shopping center. So there's shops all the way up and all the way down. It's a very large bridge. And we have a favorite pizza place. Again, we've only been there a few times, but you kind of get your favorites. Like, oh, we were here mm-hmm. We were here last time. Let's, you know, let's do it again. And there's a, there's one right by the bridge. And your friend Tiff went and visited the same place. Yeah. Any any client that we send to Venice, I will definitely give this recommendation. Here's the reason why. Not only are there great views of the bridge, because that's how we found it. We were doing a self-guided tour, and we went to the Rialto Bridge. And what you mean by that is we were just wandering around. We were wandering around, but we knew we wanted to see the bridge. And at that point, we were hungry. So we decided to sit down at this Italian restaurant. It has great views of the bridge, but it, you can watch all the gondoliers taking people on gondola rides. Yes, you can ride the gondolas. Really cool. And of course, there are lots of churches. I'd say probably one every every 20 feet, kind of like Just trash about. cans at Disney. There's a church <laughs> around every corner. There are a lot of churches. So if you're into that thing, you can do your own self-guided church tour because there are a lot of them. There are some other museums and different things, but when you go to Venice, you want to get the main hub of the city. And that includes those main things, Doge's Palace, St. Mark's Square, and the Rialto Bridge. And always when you're going to Venice, make sure that you bring your credit card that has the highest spending limit and the most available. There is a lot of (laughs) shopping in Venice. That is for sure. So you have your free things and you can do some tours. We have some extra tours or experiences that we think you should put on your must-do list. And one of those is the Baccaro Tour, also called the Venetian Happy Hour. And what we would call a pub crawl. Yeah. And we, it's something that's, um, I remember when it was recommended for us to try and you and I were just it was like- a private guide, it, just you and me and, the, and our guide. Yeah. And we were like, we don't even know what this is, but we're in. This sounds fun. Yeah. Part of this trip was planned for us, to be clear. We were filming for our Italian tour partner there. So a couple of things were arranged for us. Yeah. And so this is one of them that we probably never would have put on a list, but now that we've done it, if somebody is into experiencing the food and culture of a city, this is a perfect way to do it. So Venice is a walking city, 
And this basically is the walking pub crawl. And you have a guide and it's usually a very small group. In our case, it was just the two of us. And we just went from a different like bar, I guess, I don't know, think they were all bars, but some of them were just little like snack places. And we would get a drink and some an app- kind of a food, an, an appetizer. appetizer. Well, yeah. Remember one time we had like a kind of a, a meat and cheese plate. Uh-huh. And again, so one drink and one appetizer at three different places. And also it was learning the history of the actual you know, little restaurants and bars we went to. Yeah. And they were all really small, like family owned. Totally it was, off the beaten was, path. It was a really neat experience. Yeah, really fun way. And it's and it actually is a pretty good value. But that's something great to do and also meet some other travelers if you get into a small group. Now let's talk about our favorite thing. And this stands out by a mile as our favorite activity tour slash thing to do. I guess we'll call it that. <laughs> And that is the gondola ride. But we wanted to make sure it was plussed up. So this is actually called the Romantic Dinner and Gondola Ride. And well worth every penny. This is one where you get a little dressed up. We did. You're going to go to a huge line. There's all these people waiting in line to get on a gondola. Right, so right in front of Harry's Bar, right there in the main area yeah. by St. Mark's Square, is one of the main gondola stations. There are like 20 or 25 people in line, but thanks to our partners, Chow Italy Tours, we skipped the line and walked right on. I'm asking our our guide, I'm like, "Um, is that okay? Absolutely. That's how connected they are. And these people are looking at us like, oh my gosh, is that Brad and Angelina? (laughs) That's exactly what they were saying. So we did our movie Star Wave and got on our gondola. We filmed a part of that again. We'll put all the stuff on our Facebook and Instagram and went right to dinner where you step off the gondola onto the front step of the restaurant. Yeah, so it was about like a about 20-minute gondola ride. Yeah. It was, it was totally perfect. What made it even better is we had dinner with our new friend, our friend Aldo, who owns a travel company there. The restaurant we went to was called Antico Pignolo. This restaurant opened in 1930, but the site, however, actually dates back to the 1200s when it was used as a blacksmith's forge, which looked after the Doge's horses. And it was even immortalized in the well-known film 1955's Summertime, starring Katherine Hepburn, where they actually filmed in the dining rooms. We should watch that movie because we have not seen it. But yeah. knowing that it's all about Venice and that we ate in the same dining room that Katherine Hepburn did, that is awesome. It's a tour that you can do. Includes that gondola ride right at sunset and then your dinner. And the menu here at, okay, help me say this right, Antico. Antico Pignolo. It's P-I-G-N-O-L-O. Pignolo. The food here was unbelievable. Um, we had some seafood. We had some of course, appetizers. We had freshly caught seafood. And this was the dinner or the dessert. And I'm not much of a sweets person, but the dessert here is one that I still remember tasting because it was a very, very fresh souffle that you have to order at the beginning of your meal. And it's it even one of had those. a little chocolate in it. You're like, I don't care. I'm going to no, try this. For my piece, they hadn't poured the chocolate on yet. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And so because I was just like, oh, I don't want the chocolate to ruin it. I know that sounds kind of um, against what's the norm, but you the mean, chocolate would have ruined it for me. You mean anti-American? <laughs> and it was all super, super fresh, unbelievable. And then after dinner, you just walk right outside and you're close to St. Mark's Square. So you've kind of done a little bit of a loop without knowing that you've done a loop. And that was a nice, I would say, probably three plus hour experience. Yeah. Um, we walked back with with Aldo and a friend of his and just kind of, it was 
just very relaxing dinner. And if it were just the two of you, it's very, very romantic. I loved the gondola ride. That was, I mean, that was cool. It was just the two of us and the gondolier. And I'm glad we filmed that with a Steadicam. Yes, we did. We got some good footage of that. So definitely you can go to our Facebook and you'll see some of that. Outside of Venice, there are some more islands. This is a big water city, obviously. And so this next tour is very popular and it is Murano, Burano, and Torcello. It's a small group tour, so you're going to take a boat ride to Murano, known for its glass manufacturing. They are well known for that. Uh, the second stop is the picturesque island of Burano. It's famous not only for its lace production, but also the fishermen's houses are all painted in bright colors. And then after a short sail, you'll reach Torcello, which is the earliest center of civilization in the lagoon. Here's the cool part. It's a four-hour tour It's only $28 per person. That's a good value. And you get to see a lot of this part of Venice and the surrounding islands. To be clear, it's so inexpensive because it's just a boat ride to these places. They're not not taking you around. However, there is an option to do it with a private guide who will explain all the history of the three places. If you're visiting Venice as part of a cruise, like a pre or post cruise, it's one of the cities you could easily just walk around. And you don't have to do anything specific. You don't have to go into the Doge's Palace. You don't have to go into the Basilica. You can just walk around and enjoy the architecture. You know, try some of the local food, local drinks. And the ambiance here is incredible because the city's so small. Everyone, it's, a lot of times it's very crowded. So keep yes, that in mind. Yes, it can get very Especially crowded. Especially if there are cruise ships. And the cruise ships don't dock, you know, right next to St. Mark's Square. They have, they're way far away. Yeah, there, that's, I mean, you need to, if you are getting off um, on a cruise stop, you do need to walk over and grab the Vaporetto to get around. And that's probably the best way to do it. But it's not like the cruise ships dock like right in front of St. Mark's Square. People still need to get over there. But that's also a great time if you are staying at one of the hotels and get up early and go to St. Mark's Square when nobody is there because everybody by like 9, 9.30, that place starts getting packed. Well, it's because a lot of times the Venetians sleep in. You know, they're having dinner till midnight, so they're not out and about at 8 in the morning for the most part. For the most part. And if this is a stop on your cruise, usually it's pre or post, but if it is an actual stop, usually it is an overnight because in Venice, there are a lot of things that happen at night, and that's when you can have those romantic gondola rides and experience the city in a little bit different way. Venice is also very, very famous for Carnival. If you've ever seen a Venetian mask, which you probably have. We we got some when we were on our honeymoon. Yes. Because Venice was one of our cruise stops, and we got our Venetian masks and took them back to the ship and did some kind of crazy It was a party. We did. We had, well, we had a carnival on the ship. And that is where the Venetian masks were first introduced and used was for Carnival. Now, if you're wondering what it is, it's very similar to like Mardi Gras. And it's funny. So this you, is like their version you, of Mardi you Gras. Said, it was funny you said that Carnival is kind of Venice's version of Mardi Gras. It's the other way around. It's the other way around because... Mardi Gras <laughs> is New Orleans version of Carnival. Yeah, because Carnival has been around since the 1100s. Lots of history. Just a little bit older than New Orleans and Mardi Gras. (laughs) Just a little bit. If you do plan to be in Venice around this time, you may either want to decide this is a good time to visit or a bad time, depending upon if you want to be around 3 million people who come into the city. But it is a really, really big celebration over there for the Venetians. And here's our personal connection to that festival. So each year at Carnival, they choose a person that is very important to the country And they choose them to be the VIP, and they they call that the Eagle. 
And there's a good reason they call this person the eagle, because as part of the ceremony, this individual gets totally all dressed up in costume with the mask and actually flies. I'm going to use flies as the best term. but Kind of like Tinkerbell does at Magic Kingdom. Exactly. Goes from the top of the tower in St. Mark's Square down into the carnival right in the heart of the festival that's going on right in that square. And the person chose for the 2019 Eagle was our cousin, Ariana Fontana. She is an eight-time Olympic medal winner for the Italian speed skating team. She is tied with Alberto Tomba. He's a skier for the most ever Olympic medals for Italy. She definitely has the most medals for a female athlete, but she also tied the male athlete. So that was pretty cool. And she's my cousin by marriage. She married my cousin, Anthony Labello, who used to be on the U.S. Olympic speed skating team. And he also happens to be her coach on the Italian team. So that was Carnival this year, even though we weren't able to attend, was pretty personal for us to see. And you got to see this. Just look up Carnival and look up Ariana Fontana. It's A-R-I-A-N-N-A, Ariana, and then Fontana, F-O-N-T-A-N-A. And you'll see it was, they chose an athlete this year because they are making a bid for the 2026 Olympics that they're trying to get for Milan and Cortina. And I believe they got that. Ari was also the Italian flag bearer at the ceremony of the last Olympic Games. Just a little more trivia, because I do like to brag on my cousin. She won her first Olympic medal in Turin. It was a bronze medal, and she won that in 06 when she was 15. And now 20 years later, the Olympics will be coming back to Italy. So if Italy is on your bucket list, but maybe your budget, it's going to be a few years down the road... Going there for the Olympics may be kind of a cool idea in 2026. I'm already putting that on our to-do list. I don't like calling it a bucket list. I think that's kind of a, it's a very common term, but it's actually kind of morbid. So let's just put that, our, let's just put that on our vacation to-do list. <laughs> if you do plan to attend Carnival, just know the Italians go all out with their masks and they have so many different parties. So you'd want to purchase a ticket to make sure that you can get into some of these fancy parties where people are going to be severely dressed up, like in a good way, but it's they take their heritage and their history very seriously over in Venice. And if you're like us, you do like to bring back a little souvenir or memento from your trip. And in Venice, that would be a Venetian mask, which we have sitting right here on our piano, uh, maybe a nice piece of lace or blown glass. Yep. Those are kind of the, the big three things. Like I know some people that we had met on one of our trips to Italy, they actually ordered a whole set of some of the hand-blown glass. I remember that. That was uh, on our honeymoon. Yeah. And so there are, you know, there's lots of things. If it's all what you're into. You don't have to purchase souvenirs at every city you go to. But if you like to, those are the big three. Let's talk about a few of the famous movies that were filmed in and around Venice. And we're going to start with The Tourist, Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp. And that was primarily filmed at Hotel Daniele. Yeah, it was interesting, though, to see some of the mix between the exterior and the interiors, because a lot of the interiors are definitely Hotel Daniele. But the not ex the exterior. Yeah, the exterior, we're like, nope, that's not where that's at, and those that's little, not what that looks like. Those little tricksters at Hollywood. Another one, this one is an obvious one. Actually, the next two movies we're going to talk about, obvious. Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Yeah, very obvious. And they, they filmed that in the Grand Canal. And then also Casino Royale and the famous sinking house scene at the end of the movie. And that's where James Bond, Daniel Craig, is trying to rescue Vespa. If you haven't seen Casino Royale, I'm not going to tell you the outcome, but he's trying to save her from a sinking house, and they did that in Venice. Again, that's a house that you could put on your walking tour 
that's your next visit to Venice. Except it's sung. I don't know if you can see it now. It's gone. (laughs) (laughs) So when thinking about a feature trip for a visit to Venice, one of the things that Rob and I definitely think Venice is more of a custom build. There are some pre-done itineraries for pre or post-cruise stay, but we recommend that you work with your travel advisor to create something that is more specific to what you want to do and to your budget. So you don't need to pack in a whole bunch of tours and you may want to set aside time to seriously get lost just walking around the city because it's one of the best to do that. Which we may have done on more than one occasion and um, not on purpose. Yeah, sometimes it wasn't by purpose, but it's kind of fun to do that definitely plan a couple of highlights. So maybe that romantic dinner and gondola ride is on your must do and then do everything else on your own or do a little bit of a combo. You can easily though do Venice in like two nights and three days or maybe like a three night four-ish day. It's usually best when you tack it onto an existing trip. And as we close out our series on Italy, we do have a very special thanks to Guido at Ciao Italy Tours, who happens to be our exclusive partner for all of our Italy trips. With Ciao Italy Tours, you'll experience Italy like a real Italian. And if you have any questions or would like to plan your ultimate Italian vacation, maybe it's to the big three, maybe it's just to one of the cities or a pre or post cruise. Maybe it's to the Milan Olympics. Yeah, could be to the Milan Olympics in 2026 or down to the Amalfi Coast, which we'll be telling you a little bit more about in a future episode as part of a really, really cool travel experience. But definitely reach out to us. Perhaps even next week's show. Perhaps. (laughs) You can send an email to rob at traveltalkweekly.com. Or if you have any general questions about Italy, hop on over to our Facebook or Instagram, and you can always send us a message or just ask a question in the group. Thanks again for joining us this week, and make sure you tune in next week as we leave Venice to cruise south through the Adriatic Sea as we visit Croatia, Montenegro, and Greece. But before you go, remember this. It's a great, big, beautiful world. Get out there and see it. Until next time, never stop exploring.